Lord Jesus, would you please now speak through my words, speak to our hearts and to our wills. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I apologise in advance. I woke up this morning and I thought, I can't preach this. I just can't preach this. But um, then I thought, no, I've got to preach this. I'm talking this morning, I'm apologising, because I'm going to speak specifically about money and about giving. It's, it's not something that we usually do, but for this week and next, I'd like to talk about giving. I'd planned to do this some time ago, but it's worked out, in fact, to be a very good time. The bishop and the archdeacon have indicated that they would be willing to seriously consider a request from the parish to appoint a second full-time stipendary minister, that's paid minister, to the parish. I'm not talking about another curate to replace Matthew's role. That may well happen anyway. Rather, we're talking about appointing someone who could serve as an associate vicar who would have specific responsibility for St Peter's and who would be here longer than a curate. We would still be one parish uh, and I would remain as parish vicar. But it would mean that I would be able to focus my time on Sunday mornings at St Mary's at the 9.30 and 11 o'clock service and another vicar would be able to focus on the work and service at St Peter's. And all the research seems to show that churches grow faster when they have their own ordained minister. However, the diocese would only be willing to support a request for a second post if we were fully able to fund the post, which effectively means that we need to initially increase our regular giving to the church by at least £24,000 per year. That's not the cost to us, it's a lot more than that, but it's the bare minimum that our income would need to increase if we're able to go ahead and do this. So I will be asking you in these two talks to consider what you're giving to the church and what you could be giving to the church. You see, Paul has an absolute commitment to the gospel. Gospel is another word for good news. The message of the good news is summarised later on in this book, in 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the Twelve. It is the message that Jesus Christ, who is the eternal Son of God, came and lived among us as a human person. He died on the cross for our forgiveness. He rose from the dead. He is alive. He is Lord. And by coming to him and putting our faith in him, we can have a relationship with God as our heavenly Father. We can have power to change and to live life God's way and the solid, certain hope of eternal life. Paul is committed to this message. He is convinced of its truth. He has seen the risen Jesus. He says that in verse 1. He knows he's been called to proclaim this message. 
And in 1 Corinthians 9, going on some verses that we haven't read, Paul states that for the sake of this message, he is willing to give up his right to receive any payment for preaching the message. You know, in the verses that we have read, Paul affirms the right of people who preach the gospel to receive a living from the gospel. He argues that it's a basic principle that you should be allowed to benefit from the work that you do. It applies to farmers, he says, to donkeys and to vicars. The last two are in the same category. (laughs) And he goes on to say that even Jesus commanded those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. But having affirmed that right... He goes on in the next few verses to say that he has given up that right. But I've not used any of these rights. And he continues, what is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not misuse my rights as a preacher of the gospel. The reality was that as someone speaking of Jesus in areas where there were no other believers... Uh, and there were no other believers who can support him financially, he had to work part-time to earn his keep, and he had to work full-time preaching the gospel. And the second thing Paul says here, uh, later on again in verses and more in, in, in 1 Corinthians 9, and I'll just simply summarise it, but it's, he is willing to give up his freedom. He is be- willing to become a servant to all people, doing what is necessary not to, unf- not to offend them unnecessarily so that there is no obstacle to them hearing the message. So we look at the life of Paul. For the sake of the message about Jesus Christ, he was willing to give up everything. A home, the possibility of a family life, stability, security and comfort. He was never able to settle anywhere. Because of the message, he was beaten, stoned, arrested, imprisoned on several occasions and eventually executed. Paul gave up everything, everything for the sake of this message. My brothers and sisters, I have a very simple question today. How precious is Jesus to you? And how precious is the message of Jesus to you? This is the message which brings people face to face with God. This is the message which is the key to the door of the kingdom of heaven. This is the message which shows us God and shows us ourselves which humbles sinful men and women and which exalts God. It's described like a precious jewel which is beyond value. It's described as a pearl of great price. This message gives life to people who are lost and spiritually dead. This message makes our enemies into our friends in Christ. This message can transform our human societies and communities. It can make places of bitterness and criticism, places of joy and praise. It can turn communities lusting for revenge 
into communities which offer costly forgiveness. It can transform self-centred, self-seeking communities into models of generosity. This message is the power of God to bring his salvation to a lost and broken world, to people who are living for shallow, hopeless dreams. Paul writes elsewhere, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. How important is it for you? There's a very simple way of telling. How much money do we give specifically so that this message can be proclaimed? How much money do we give to this church for the work of sharing the good news? How much money do we give so that the good news is proclaimed elsewhere in this country and overseas? The problem is that many of us have lost confidence in the message of Jesus. We're prepared to give to the hospice because we see the great work that it does. To children's and animals charities, to environmental agencies, to cancer research, to work on Alzheimer's, to charities that work with the most deprived. I'm not saying that that's wrong, far from it. Jesus specifically challenges us that we cannot say to someone in need, God loves you, and then do nothing practical. We give to the church because we love the buildings, or because we think it's a good social organisation that ought to sort of be kept going, or because we think we ought to. But surely... As those people who have put our trust in Jesus, who believe that he is the eternal son of God, then we have to believe that the deepest, most fundamental need of our society is for people to come face to face with God. So that they begin to see this world and other people through his eyes. And so that self-centred people begin to change and become God-centred and other people-centred. And for that to happen, we need people who will preach the good news of Jesus Christ. People who are set apart for that work, who are paid to do that work. How can people believe in Jesus, says Paul, if they've not heard the message about Jesus? And how can they hear the message if nobody tells them? And yet so many of God's people are not giving to the work of the gospel. In this diocese, that's the sort of county of Suffolk, the Anglican church in the county of Suffolk, there are currently 118 full-time paid ministers But in order to pay 118 full-time ministers, we, that's the diocese, have to sell off three vicarages each year to cover the shortfall between what we give and what that costs. So that figure of 118 ministers needs to be reduced to 100. So the very fact that the bishop and archdeacon are prepared to even consider a second post here is near miraculous. 
but you also see why they need us to be able to pay for it. Now I'm aware that it's possible to give in many ways, and many do give sacrificially of their time and their money. Some of you really are like Paul. You work virtually full-time, whether you have a title or not, for the church, whether here at St Mary's and St Peter's or wider, in the work of enabling this message to be proclaimed without receiving anything, any salary. That may be as preachers, ministers and town pastors. It may be as trustees or wardens or treasurers or musicians or workers with children and young people. The list is endless. But I would also ask each of us to consider what we are giving financially to the church each week or each month or each year and ask, does what I give reflect how precious Jesus is to me? Does what I give reflect how important the message of Jesus is for me? I'm sure this doesn't apply here, but you know, if we come into church and we put 50p or a pound into the basket, does that really, really say how much Jesus means to you? He's worth whatever spare change I happen to have in my pocket. He died for me on the cross, and I'll put a pound, because it happens to be in my pocket, in the basket In the end, we spend our money on what is important for us. We spend our money on what we love. We hear of multi-millionaires who spend hundreds of millions buying football clubs. Not to make money, but because they love the club. So when some of you become multi-millionaires, listen to what I'm about to say. Don't forget me... But also, I long for God to raise up one or two or several multi-millionaires who get grabbed by Jesus and who give significantly to the work of the church so that the message of Jesus Christ can be proclaimed. We give to what we love. And we don't have to be multi-millionaire before we can begin to give. This is not about the amount given but the cost to us of whatever it is that we give. On one occasion, Jesus was in the temple when the rich came in and put large sums into the glass box at the back of the temple. And then a widow came in and she put in a few coins. Jesus said that woman gave more than all the others. They gave out of their wealth and still had much left. She gave And please hear this. Jesus said she gave everything she had. We sometimes use that story and say it's not the amount that matters because the widow only put in a few coins. And sometimes those of us who are wealthier can tend to justify that and say, oh, but that's all I could afford. Actually, no, it's all I can choose to afford. One lady told me this week that when I was last speaking on giving, I had said that what we give is one of the indicators of how much we love Jesus. She said when she heard that, she was convicted. She said, you could have knocked me down with a feather. And she added, people need to hear that. 
There is a clear case, as Paul sets out here in 1 Corinthians 9, for paying people so that they are set free to proclaim the message about Jesus. And with the size of the congregations that we have, we should at the very minimum be able to support two permanent paid ministers. And having an extra full-time minister will make a tremendous difference to our congregation here. For a start, it'll make a difference to me. It means I won't have to dash off after the service. But, but more importantly, it will make a big difference to both St. Mary's and St. Peter's and a big difference to how we share the message of Jesus in this town. But I do appreciate this is a big ask. I'm not asking for a one-off contribution for something specific. That might be easier. But one of the amazing things that I've seen happen time and time again here is that whenever we have a big need, the roof, the organ, the heating at St. Peter's, God seems to have known in advance and provided in astonishing ways. So I'm asking instead each one of us to consider how important the Lord Jesus Christ is to us. And I'm urging us not to lose confidence in the power of the gospel to change lives. And I'm asking us to consider increasing what we regularly give, whether that's each week, each month, each year. Matthew's uh, just been handing out forms in which you might wish to use if you would want to make a response. I, I need to say this, I don't know how much any individual gives unless that person tells me. You know God knows and possibly our gift aid secretary knows. And that's all that matters. But in the light of this opportunity that we have, I am asking you to prayerfully review your regular giving to the church and ask yourself whether what you give reflects what Jesus means to you and how important the gospel is for you. Father God, help us as we think these things through. Thank you for all that you gave us. Amen.